You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a WealthCap Holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Hey, everybody, Devin, your host here for the Portfolio Builders podcast. I am really excited to have Jean on with me today. We are going to dive in and talk about some things that I know nothing about, which is always fun uh, to learn something new. So say hey to everybody, Jean. Hello. Thanks for having me on, Devin. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Um, when I think I first reached out with Isabel, who's on your team, and we chatted back and forth and she shared with me just a little bit about your experience. And I thought, I wanna have this guy on, I wanna learn more about that. Um, so for everybody who's either watching or if they're listening to the replay later on the podcast, just share with us a little bit about your background. Like how did you get to be, you know, the king of the, uh, <laughs> of the assisted living real estate world? All right. Well, I'll give you the, the long story in a short version. So actually, I've been doing real estate since I was 18 years old, which you can tell from the white beard, that was a long time ago. Uh, but I was a musician, had a recording studio, small record label, and we were renting a property from I was 16 till we were 18. At the end of that, we said, that's it. We're either going to shut this whole thing down or get our own place. So the first property we bought, we used for our own home as well as business. No money down because we had no money, no credit, no clue. We've done residential, commercial, multi-unit, et cetera, flash forward like 40 years to today. And now what we do is one thing, it's called residential assisted living. We take a single family home, convert it for this assisted living. So it's a group home for seniors where care is provided. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Very I missed, cool. I, I left out the 40 years in between, but that got you from start <laughs> to end. <laughs> Okay, so I want to hear about the journey. Like, why did you decide to start doing the residential assisted living? Like, how did that idea even even come yeah. to you? Because like for me, and this shows you how ignorant I am, when I think of assisted living, I'm thinking of like, like a large right. facility. I had no idea you could do that with like a single right. family home. Yeah, so I think most people start in real estate with a quick cash mindset, fix and flip or wholesale. Then they say, oh, it would be better to get residual income. So then they do single family. Then they say, well, hold it, maybe an apartment complex. <clears throat> then some people go mobile homes or storage units. But it was about 25 years ago, and I was in a presentation. There was a, a real estate guru in the front talking about all different ways to make money in real estate. And he mentioned this one called senior housing and using a single family home. And I said, that's brilliant. That's where everything is going to go. And I ran up to him and I said, tell me more. And he said, well, I can't. I said, why not? He said, because I don't do it. I'm just saying you should do it. <laughs> so I was disappointed. And I said, do you know anybody who's willing to show me who's doing it? And he introduced me to one guy who wasn't willing to share with me. And I said, why? And he said, because you'll take all my customers. And I'm like, there's millions of people who are going to need this. So then I met some people who were doing it unsuccessfully. They were kind of working it as a job. The kids moved out, they moved a few seniors in and they were doing some extra laundry. And it's like, no, I don't want to run the business. I don't live in the business. I don't want to be day to day, but I, I do want to get involved. So my interest kind of waned until my own mother needed help. And that was about 10 years ago when she needed help, everything became very real. We realized that taking care of mom is uh, not, I'm not a trained caregiver. That's not who I am. And I'm very fortunate with six brothers and sisters, seven all together that 
some of them, my two sisters were able to take care of mom, but then when they needed help, we had to bring in caregivers. But at some point you're like, but if she needs help at night on weekends, what do you do? And then you start to think, what are the options? So we went to look and what we found was not good. It was, it was pretty bad. You know, you walk through the front door and you can smell the neglect. And at Mm -hmm. that point I said, I vow to create the solution. So that's what we did. I went back to, she was in upstate New York. I was in Arizona, went back to Arizona and I said, I'm going to create the solution. And I actually bought an existing one of these, what we now call residential assisted living. I bought the business and the real estate from somebody else because there was nobody teaching or sharing or willing and able to show me how. So I bought it kind of backwards engineered it, very painful experience, but I did it. (laughs) Then I bought a house, converted it. And then I bought another one and converted it. And along the way, I've taught thousands of people how to do the same. Wow. That's amazing. And I think most of us learn, like some of my greatest teachers in real estate have been um, the lessons that I learned the hard way, (laughs) you know, by, by making mistakes um, and, you know, just going out there and trying to figure it out. So when you started on that first one, like, what did you have to do to convert it? Does that have to do with like code or like, what is, what is that like? Well, let me describe what would make a good home for it. And I think that'll give you an idea of what it takes. So it's a residential home in a residential neighborhood. So it's not okay. commercial. In your mind, as soon as I said senior housing is seniors assisted living, you thought what most people think, like a converted hotel or hospital institutional. Yeah. So single family home, just like you and I would live in. Uh, in the home itself, it doesn't need to be ADA compliant because that's for people, businesses that hire people with disabilities. We don't hire caregivers with a disability to take care of somebody with a disability but the home has to be senior safe. Now that's my word. That means grab bars, smoke detectors, fire suppression, wider doors, taking out the impediments for movement in the house. So it's a regular house. Um, You can have two people in a bedroom. You can do more than that in some states. I don't recommend that. So you probably need a bigger house rather than smaller. The size of the house does matter, but it's the number of bedrooms and bathrooms. Uh, the homes that I have are four or five, 6,000 square feet, so they're large, and they have 10 residents. But in some states, you can have up to 16. Some states, it's unlimited. Uh, you need enough bathrooms for that many people, which the mm-hmm. state minimums that are very small, very slight. And when I tell you this, basically about 150 square feet per resident of living space is the state's minimum. That means you can have a 15 or 1,800 square foot house with two bathrooms, and have 10 seniors in it, I don't want you to do that. What we do is more what some people would call luxury, a nicer home, a better home in a nicer neighborhood. So bigger is better, more bathrooms is better. You're probably not gonna find a house with 10 bedrooms, but you can convert space into that. Uh, But it's senior safe, one level is better than two or three, one level is better than sunken living rooms or raised ranches, three steps up, four steps down. Uh, and then a neighborhood. It doesn't need to be near the bus line or the library because assisted living, they're in the house. They're not typically going out for trips. They're in a in a residential setting, but they're in the house for the most part. Gotcha. So you identify the right house. Now, how in the heck do you, like, how do you run that? Got it. Well, the first thing, and I want to make sure everybody knows, because usually when people think real estate, they think about the property and so on. It's really all about the location. 
and that location isn't riverfront, mountaintop, it's, it's the demographics of the people that live at the area. Because when somebody moves into assisted living, keep in mind, it's not a retirement home, it's not golf, pickleball, and tennis, that's their retirement years. This is when they need assistance, their kids can't do it all themselves, so they're going to bring them someplace to get 24-hour care. So the demographics around that, how many people, what their economic ability is to pay for mom and dad's care is really important. Mm -hmm. So the house itself needs to be seen or safe. And then there's really three steps to starting this whole thing. You need a house that is seen or safe. You need policies and procedures. So think documentation, if this, then that, standard Mm -hmm. operating procedures. And then third, you need a qualified manager. Now, I'm not the manager in my homes at all, never have been, never wanted to be, but this state is the one that requires certain things. So it could be a low bar of a 24-hour course. You have to be 18 with a GED and pass the 24-hour course, and you can be a manager of an assisted living home. It could be two years of experience and 150 hours of training and background tests and TB tests uh, to become a manager. So it depends on the state. The number of residents that you can have is going to depend on the state. Many states, it's unlimited. Some are limited to 16 or 10. A few are limited to six or eight people. Uh, And the caregivers are the ones who are directly taking care of the residents. Those are people that are hired. They're employees because the moment you schedule somebody, here's your day and time. That's an employee, not an independent contractor any longer. So those caregivers, they're not your typical barista or retail store person. They love seniors. They love to take care of them and they have training specific for that. Gotcha. So when you did this, when you did the first one after, Mm -hmm. you know, you realized that your mom was going to need care, were you, were you doing that close by or were you doing that from a distance? Because I know that you have these all over the country. Well, the ones that I was doing were in Arizona where I am. So in Arizona, these homes were 30 minutes away, 40 minutes away. Mom was in upstate New York. So by the time I got the first home, she had already passed away, wasn't Uh, able to move into our home. Uh, We had to do other things where she was in upstate New York. Uh, But the homes, that's a really good question because a lot of times people think I have to be right nearby the property. And the answer is, it depends. Do you want to be hands-on or do you want to be hands-off? For me, my goal was never to be there every day and be in charge and be responsible. It was to hire the right person who is in charge and is responsible. So the manager, whoever that person is, that manager may be a caregiver or they find and hire and train the caregivers. But there's a manager and there's caregivers and I as the owner could be a thousand miles away. Uh, And this day and age in the last six, eight months, we've all figured it out. You can run (laughs) everything electronically. I was doing that anyway, whether it be over the phone or text or Zoom. And now you absolutely, everybody has figured it out. You can do that. You can do a lot of things from a distance, um, Mm -hmm. which, you're absolutely right. We've all learned in the last year. Um, and a lot of the investors that are that are in our group, you know, they love buy and hold strategy, which is why they're, you know, they're part mm-hmm. of our audience. Um, but they're also they're investing out of state. You yeah. know, we're a huge advocate in investing where the numbers make sense, which may not always be in your backyard. Yeah, uh, so there's there's things that sometimes you need to figure out to make sure you've got boots on the ground that you can trust yeah. um, in order to make sure that it works. So you did your first few in Arizona when you started to branch out into other states, like what was that like? 
So now I'm pretty much an investor. And when I say that, meaning the ones that I started and owned and ran were here in Arizona, but now I invest in these projects that other people are operating in different states. So where the numbers make sense. But my goal is not to be there every day. Even with my own homes, there were months and months and months where I didn't go to the home. Uh, so I, I think conceptually, like you said, a lot of the people that you work with, they want to write a check and be the owner. They don't want to be involved in the minutia. So they yeah. need people that they trust and people that can that have experience can do what they need to get done. So their money is safe. Their investment is is well taken care of, but they're not heavily involved. So it's very much the same when you own a business or real estate. It's, you know, people say real estate is a business and it may or may not be, but in ours, there's two parts. There's the real estate play and the business play. And a lot of times people, when they first hear about what I do, they say, ah, I don't want to, I don't want the hassles or the liability of seniors and old folks and employees. I just want simple. That's when I say simple, meaning write a check, receive a check, totally get that. But the, the more involved you are with something, the higher the return, the less involved you are the less return. It's a real simple formula. So if you want, you know, two to 10%, you can write a check and get that. If you want 12 to 15%, there may, not always, there may be some more involvement. And if you want to make a lot higher return, then you're the one who is, you've got your hands on and you're doing a lot more of the work to make a lot higher return. Yeah. That, I mean, I totally get that. Yeah. So I get, you know, that your mom was kind of the inspiration to start down this road. Uh, but talk to us about the numbers, because that's sure. obviously, obviously the numbers worked um, or you wouldn't still be doing it and growing and expanding in all of these different states. So what? Um, yeah. yeah, so, so I'll give it to you on two sides. One is just the real estate. So mm -hmm. on the real estate side, in essence, you can charge I always find this funny when I tell somebody because they're like, I didn't know I could charge more. It's like you can charge whatever somebody's willing to pay. But in the real estate side, let's just say somebody said, I just want to own that 4,500 square foot house that cost a million dollars. And I know I can't cash flow it with a family who's going to pay five grand a month. That's just not enough to own it, and make any profit or cover the bills. But if they could rent it for, let's say, twice the market rent, 10 grand a month with a five year lease and the person who's renting it isn't that senior. It's the person who owns and operates that residential assisted living business. We're leasing the home. We're going to operate this business out of that home. And we can go into all the details of how do you do that? How can it be done? Just what about HOAs and all that? But the reality is if you can get twice the market rent with a long-term, let's say five-year lease, that's a beautiful thing. So just the real estate side, you can cash flow it from that. On the business side, in America today, on average, the average person per person per month in a residential or assisted living in general is paying just over $4,000 per person. So 4,051 to be exact, according to genworth.com, a large long-term care insurance company. So let's just say it's 4,000 per person. Now, by the way, if you were to actually have your listeners say, how much do you pay or do you know what it costs? You would hear numbers of six and eight and $10,000 a month per person and more that they're paying or they wow. were paying. So it's amazing, but 4,000 is the average. On the low end, you got Medicare and Medicaid. We don't focus on that. On the high end, it's 10,000 a month or more for an individual. So let's just use the four. And if the home is licensed for 10, which is an average size, it could be bigger or smaller, that's 40,000 per month in gross income. 
your expenses are going to be 70 to 80 percent of that gross income so what falls to the bottom line your profit is 20 to 30 percent of that gross income so that might be 10 to 15,000 per month of that gross income wow yeah so if you're if you have a bigger home in a nicer area where it's 16 beds and you're charging 6,000 a person now the numbers are 96,000 a month and your expenses go up a little bit, but not a whole lot. So now you might be making 40,000 a month. Keep in mind, it's not just a real estate investment. So I, I, I keep reiterating that because a lot of people think, oh, this is great. I've got a house, I'll fill it with seniors. No, it's the business operations. Uh, the That's where you really make the money. It's the dirt and, and it's really fascinating. I've been in real estate a long time. But if you take any building, commercial building, the dirt is probably owned by one entity, leasing it to an, another entity for 99 years. They're making 4% a year on the dirt. The build, the company that builds the building is leasing it to the storefront for 20 years at a time. They're making 8 10% of their money on the building, the cap rate. And then the business with all the moving parts and all the day-to-day -day hassles could be making 20 30% of their money. So it depends on that involvement. More moving parts, you get a higher rate of return. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So, yeah. okay. So what about HOAs? What kind of neighborhoods can you go in? How in the heck does somebody like start <laughs> down this path? Like yeah. my mind is blown right now. Well, well, that's great. I love to blow your mind. That's good. That's, <laughs> I, I love the fact you started the whole thing with, I don't know anything about this. Let me learn. That's great. Um, you know, the reality is the Federal Fair Housing Act is your friend. When we talk about residential assisted living, you can't discriminate against seniors and et cetera. Mm -hmm. So an HOA can have all the rules they want, but a lot of them are written in a way that are discriminatory and the Federal Fair Housing Act, you, they, they are, it just doesn't hold up. Now, having said that, you know, we have attorneys in our national association that help people get through this, this gauntlet with city councils and HOAs. Uh, there are cities that have tried to fight uh, senior housing and or group homes of all kinds and they lose, cost them lots of money. So a lot of times it's just giving them enough information to say, look, here's three other cities that tried to not allow this. It cost them 500,000 in legal fees they lost. You may as well just give us the right to do this in this one home right here. So they can make noise, but we can ultimately get through that. Uh, it's a home, not multifamily, so it's a single-family home. Yes, they are unrelated adults, because that's the other piece that a lot of people get. Unrelated adult restrictions usually are from colleges, college campuses. They don't want that. But seniors is kind of a protected class. They would be considered disabled, right? So disabled and seniors, they're in that same class. You can't discriminate against them. Uh, when people say you can't operate a business out of a home, well, it's not a business, it's a home. And if somebody says, well, you're making money. So if I did it for free and took no money in, would that be okay? Well, no, no, no. We just, oh, so what do you have <laughs> against their affordable, clean, safe housing for seniors, Senator? You know, and you put the mic in their face. So with the proper, you know, understanding of what you can do, how you go through this process, you can get it done. But if I have the opportunity, Devin, to buy a house across the street with no HOA, that's the one I'm going to buy. It's a lot easier to do it. But yeah. you can definitely do it with HOAs and get through that that gauntlet. Wow. Hmm. I'm really intrigued because the whole the idea of being able to just the way that you said, like have a a larger home pay for itself mm -hmm. that wouldn't right. make a good traditional rental property. 
um, like that's brilliant, yeah. you know, and. Uh, yeah, repurposing it, because there's a lot of big homes now, especially with people that are aging and they're like all the kids have moved and they've got a really yeah. big house, they don't need it. Uh, there's a lot of big homes that were built that were too big to begin with, the McMansion craze that happened. Uh, and there's a lot of places where people are aging. I mean, the yeah. the idea of the baby boomers, the oldest baby boomers, like 74 years old, they're typically not in assisted living yet. The uh -huh. average person in assisted living might be in their mid 80s. So they're 10 years away. But it's what I call the silver tsunami of seniors that's coming. You know, you can't stop it. You know, it's coming. And it's like seeing a stock chart 10 years in advance. You know exactly what's going to happen. You know wow. exactly what they need. They need a place to live. They're going to need care. And a lot of them, like when my mother, uh, she didn't want to move into a hotel or an apartment building with hundreds of other people. Right. But if she could stay in her own home or a home in the neighborhood with groups, uh, peers her own age, that's what those seniors want. That's amazing. Like, yeah. you know, because one thing that a lot of people do is like Airbnb on larger mm -hmm. properties to mm -hmm. get them to pay for themselves, which is brilliant for the most part. Although this year has shown us um, that that plan is. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Who would have thought that they would have said, you can't rent out this place anymore short term. It's like my mind was blown with that. So Yeah. Well, and just with COVID hitting and a lot of people not traveling, like I know quite a few investors that were really heavy in the short-term rental game, yeah. they just got annihilated yeah. uh, when the whole world shut down like pretty hardcore for a couple months and nobody was going anywhere, yeah. you know? But it seems to me like this, this plan is, I don't want to say recession-proof, but <laughs> like- No, you're right. What are me, the down, what are the downsides? Yeah, well, let me give you the reality of it because it is kind of, we don't want to say it officially recession proof, but it's certainly recession resistant and even virus resistant because the one business that did not get shut down is homes and care for seniors. The caregivers were working full time. The managers were working full time. It's not like all of a sudden people are going to say, okay, I'm going to bring my mother home and take care of her myself. No, they stayed there. In mm -hmm. addition to that, the ones that were in the big box facilities, 200 beds, Brookdale, Sunrise, Atria, where they were shut down, the seniors were sequestered in their own rooms, which is horrible. They couldn't even get out. Their parents and, I'm sorry, their kids couldn't even come to see them in the homes. In our homes, it's not, these seniors aren't in the home wearing masks in their chair. It's a home. They're already protected. Smaller is safer. So during this whole thing, number one, our business is boomed. The big box, they've lost people to us because the kids who are 60 years old can't even see their parents. They're not allowed in. So we wow. bring people that way. Yeah. And people who want to take care of their parents. Now, some people have said, we're going to wait, keep mom at home until we know everything is safe. Uh, but the big box facilities are trying to become smaller like us. We've actually, this year we launched, it's been a few years in the preparation, but this October at our national convention, we just uh, created and launched a franchise using this model. So the single family home model for residential assisted living, we just launched that in October, two weeks ago at our national convention. So um, how does that work? If somebody wants to buy the franchise, like do they have to buy the house and then the franchise is to operate the business? Is that how that works? Yes, and or if they don't wanna buy the house, we have lots of investors that would love to buy the house for them and lease it to them. Oh. So, yeah. And gotcha. this is this is one of those areas too. Banks have also shut their doors to a lot of average borrowers. 
uh, and because they're not sure what's going to happen, right? So mm -hmm. when somebody goes to a bank and says there's a franchise, banks are much more willing to finance a franchise versus a pure startup business. If somebody sure. doesn't have the money for the real estate, there's real estate investors saying, I will buy that million dollar house and lease it to you at twice the market rent when you can have the option to buy it in the future. So. Brilliant. So <laughs> I want to hear, there have to be some downsides sure. to this um, and like liabilities, what are the risks? Okay. Um, so talk about, cause I know like every day I talk to investors that are wanting to invest in real estate and what are the mm -hmm. downsides? That's what they always want to know. And, and yeah. I want to know too. And I think any wise investor wants to know like yeah. what can go wrong. So the, the way that people ask the question typically is what's your biggest challenge? And my response is always the same people, you know, it's not the house. That's the easy part. It's the resident, their families, the manager, the caregivers, the humans. Six, eight months ago, a year ago, when we said, how do you find great caregivers? I would always respond, we can find caregivers, but finding great anything, that's the secret is finding really good people and, and then training them and retaining them and having them be a part of your team. Now that unemployment went from three and a half percent to 13%, now it's back down, which is great, but it's easier to find great people than it ever was before. So even allowing us to upgrade the caregivers that we had. So that challenge of finding great caregivers and managers is less now than it was before. It'll get back to being bad because the need is growing so fast. Uh, but their liability, the liability that you need, I'm not an attorney, I'm not giving anybody advice, but right. I own the real estate in one entity and I own the business in a separate entity. The real estate has uh, insurance for slip and fall, general liability insurance, the business has professional business liability insurance that names the other entity as additional insured. So that insurance covers for all the typical business type things you'd have in a home. The cost of that, it's not medical malpractice insurance because we don't do medical, is a dollar to two a day per person. So if you have 10 residents in 30 days, that's three to $600 a month in a line item for the insurance. Not a big deal. It's a line item. So the insurance covers it. And then the aspect of the real estate being covered separately from the business, leasing it from yourself, that asset protection and separation. Um, when you think about it too, the most people don't get this. I've been doing real estate a long time. If you own a rental property and some five-year-old kid goes out the back door, jumps the fence and drowns in a pool two doors away, that is tragic. Nobody was expecting that. That you can get in big trouble for. When a senior moves into assisted living, nobody's expecting them to live forever, right? So if you're doing a good job, I want your mom to live forever. I mean, that's money to me. I, my goal is to have her live as long as possible, not to pass away. There's no reason, there's no incentive for me there. So as long as we're doing the right things and we document everything, you really should never have an issue. And we've taught thousands of people that operate and, and control thousands and thousands of beds. Not a big issue when you know what you're doing. And you asked another question, Devin, five minutes ago, where you said, you know, how does somebody get started in this? Please don't just jump in and just say, it's yeah. real estate. <laughs> learn all you can from people who have done it before, because there's a lot to know and mistakes that you will definitely make unless somebody else points it out and says, this is what you never do. This is what you always do. This is where you never do it. And this is where you should always do it. There's so many things you can learn from others. And that's what we do. We teach people how to do this properly. That's awesome. I, uh, I love that. 
you know, and we do a similar thing, not so much with the teaching, but we facilitate people, you know, how to, how to invest in real estate turnkey. Like we have it figured out so that you don't have to, I host a ton of people on this podcast. And the thing that I have heard more than any other thing over and over and over and over and over again about either what was the biggest mistake that's ever happened to you in your real estate career, or what is the one piece of advice that you would give to anybody, it's always has to do with vetting the partners that you're going to work with, mm-hmm. you know, um, because that's when that's when things can kind of blow up in your face. If you're, you know, especially if you're doing something from a distance and, you know, you don't have a great relationship with the boots on the ground, or mm-hmm. like in this case that we're talking about with you, no partner could be, you know, just jumping in blind trying to figure it out by yourself, googling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> University. It could, I mean, I learned how to tile a bathroom from Google. So in YouTube, so it has its purpose, but there are, there are other places where, you know, like you need, you need professional help. Uh, You know, I'm also not in it. I'd rather learn from your experience than mine. That's the bottom line. Yeah. A hundred percent. So if somebody comes to you and they want to learn more about how you do this, like what, what exactly do you teach? Is it like yeah. from soup to nuts, the whole thing? Like how to identify a house through the entire right. thing? So we teach the business side of it. And what I mean by that is we're not here to teach a caregiver or a manager. There's other okay. training, you know, vocational trainings that somebody would go to to learn how to be a caregiver or manager. That's not what we teach. We teach the business side. So the location of the real estate, what that means, what you do and don't do what renovations the property needs, what you need to do, want to do, could do, shouldn't do, all those things, Uh, how to get your team in place, how to find the right people, the organization of and the operations of the business. So we teach soup to nuts from the location all the way through the operation, but we don't teach the manager and the caregiver how to do their thing. We hire those people to do their thing. Gotcha. Okay. So when somebody comes to you, like, realistically how long should it take for them to be able to say like i want to start doing this to really have the knowledge that they need to like to move forward i i'm going to tell you when we do our training it's a three-day training we can impart all of the information you need in three days but you really learn by doing right you know that you said that so you really learn by doing so realistically it's going to take you i always tell people six to twelve months to get that home up and running. So six months to 12 months, all of that depends on everything. Meaning do you already own a house or do you have to go find a house? Completely different. Do you have the funding or do you have to go get the funding? Completely different. The renovations, is it just a little bit of paint and carpet or are you gonna put on a 2000 square foot addition and renovate everything? So all of that, once the house is ready, which could take anywhere from two weeks to you know a year, depending on what you do, then it's how long does it take for the for your house to get inspected, to get the thumbs up to say you can operate this business. And that could be a month to six months, depending on if you know what you're doing or don't know what you're doing. So that time and then the startup of the business. And one of the biggest uh, problems that people have when they I've, I've been doing business for 40 years with dozens of businesses. Undercapitalization is one of the biggest problems that business owners have. They don't know that they're going to have negative cash flow at the beginning and then finally get to break even to get to profitability, et cetera. So 
understanding that you need enough capital in place to be able to get through that startup phase and doing things so the startup phase is this long instead of that long. Mm -hmm. All those things come into play, but I, I'm going to say six to 12 months is what it takes. And you could take more time than that. I wouldn't suggest or recommend it. Um, and it could take less if you just buy an existing one. And it, if you do, you need to know what you're doing. It's so interesting to me because people come to us all the time, whether they're students or not, and say, hey, this one is for sale. Should I buy it? And it's like, well, hang on. You know, where yeah. is the location? I cannot change the location. And if it's in the wrong location, forget it. All right, let's say it passes that. The next thing is, how many people can you have? What's the number of seniors you can have? And if it's six people and you're only charging 4,000 each average, that's not enough income to pay all the bills because the caregivers get paid the same whether I, I have a million dollar home or a hundred thousand dollar home. They get paid the gotcha. same. So I need to have enough residents in there, the census. So let's say that's an order and how much are the rates, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a whole checklist of things that you need to know if you're buying an existing business. And then from there, what do you pay for it? What's it worth? The value of that business. It's a multiple of the cash flow, but being able to recast that cash flow to understand, ah, they don't have enough labor costs in here because the owner is also the manager, also mm. a caregiver, also the yeah. cookie maker and the candlestick maker. Oh. <laughs> they, no. they think you're making a bunch of money, but by the time I hire people to do all that, there's not enough money left over to make it worthwhile. So do you help people then like, you know, you teach in this three-day weekend, but what if somebody wanted like individual ongoing coaching? Like they really want to do this. Is that something that you provide? After, after the three-day training, if somebody says, I really want somebody to hold my hand through this process, then we do have that available all the way from writing their business plan all the way through to me personally being on their board of advisors in the business plan and everything in between. So gotcha. a lot of the students who say, yeah, I want to go fast. I don't want to go slow. We help them after the fact. That's awesome. Cause I can, I mean, I can imagine that would be like, that would be really intimidating to, mm -hmm. at least for me, I'm thinking about me. Like I have no fear when it comes to um, a lot of real estate things that I'm very knowledgeable of because I've been in this business for a while and, you know, I've done flips and blah, 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 blah. And I've had rental property and, you know, I know that game, yeah. but if I was going to jump into something like this, like, yeah. <laughs> you need to have support. You need a team of people. Yeah, I would be, I think I would be scared, but it's really exciting. And, you know, hearing everything that you're saying about what is probably to come in the next 10 years, you know, like that really, that really makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. So if somebody wanted to like start learning more about this and walking down this path, do you have, um, and I'm just, I have no idea if you do or don't, but do you have any like, do you have a book or a resource or anything like that that somebody like that's a small commitment <laughs> that somebody could check out? And actually, uh, I'd love to give anybody who wants one a, a copy of the book. This one right here is one that we just wrote this year. It's called Blueprint, uh, How okay. to Start a Residential Assisted Living Business. So this is a good overview of the industry itself. And if they want to get a copy of that, they can go to ral101.com. So three letters, RAL, Residential Assisted Living, RAL101.com. They can download a copy of the book. You can order it on Amazon, but get the download for free. There's cool. some webinars you can watch, and you can call us and set up a, an appointment to have a conversation to see if this is right for you. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm super intrigued. Um, that might be something that I put on like my five-year plan. 
Um, Not a big commitment, by the way. I know you said that, but there's there's even some pictures in there. So there's a yeah, totally. No, I'm I'm gonna get the book and look into it because um, yeah. I'm I'm definitely really curious. And um, oh, there was something else I was gonna ask you. I'm drawing a blank. Right, okay. so got the book for people who want um, you know a little bit more information to learn a little bit more about that. And how many states do you have your homes in now? Are they like all fifty? So no, no, not personally. Uh, okay. We have students in almost every single state, but myself, I have uh, I have investments in homes in four states. So okay, gotcha. Yeah, and it's you know the great thing about it is you don't need a lot. Uh, uh-huh. I, I always ask people. Uh, I, I have a, a friend that everybody knows, Robert Kiyosaki, but one of his comments is, you know, what's your number? How much do you need to get out of the rat race? And yeah. a lot of people, their number is a lot lower than they realize. It might be 10000 a month. If they had 10000 a month, they would be financially free. They don't have to go to work or whatever. And right. when you think about that, it's like, whoa, if I just repositioned a few things, because I know people that have had rental properties for decades, and they own them free and clear, and they're very proud of that. And it's like, okay, it's worth 200 You get 1200 a month. After expenses, it's 800 a month. That's 96 a year. That's less than 5% return on your money. If you just sold that, used that money and reinvested it over here and made a whole lot more, you know, making 10,000 a month or 15,000 a month, mm-hmm. that makes more sense. So yeah, repositioning your assets. It's definitely something like I, I love buy and hold residential real estate. I love everything about it, how easy it is to liquidate. Um, mm-hmm. There's always a high demand. If people always need houses to rent you know, especially your average starter houses. But I am really intrigued by everything that you shared today and think for like a long-term strategy that this might be something that I would want to investigate to like adding in addition to, you know, residential, like smaller residential homes because they're still residential homes. They're just bigger ones. So, you know, is... Is equity like a big play for, you know, is that a big reason that people end up doing the assisted living or is yeah. it more about the cash flow? What do you That's find? That's a good question because, you know, the you're talking to equity in the real estate, correct? Yeah. Got it. You know, real estate doesn't always go up. It Over time, it goes up, but it goes like that. So sure. conceptually, I don't think most people are doing residential assisted living for equity. Because gotcha. are we at the top of the cycle right now or the middle or the bottom on the way up on the way down? Nobody truly knows. I thought we were going to start going down two years ago. So I was wrong. Are we going <laughs> to extended innings? Is this game two of the World Series? I don't know. But the cash flow is always the same. So whether right. the house is worth a million or 500 doesn't matter. It's still X number of dollars that are flowing in. So I do think most people do it for the cash flow. But there's something bigger than that. I think... Um, I'm I'm definitely older than you are, Devin. So the old the older I get, the older I get, the more I realize it's not just about the money. It's about are you doing something that you believe in that that is yeah. good that you want to do something more? Uh, because it would break my heart when I would you know buy a property, renovate it, move somebody in, and they trash it, and a year later hand me the keys back, uh, and then it's like I gave you something beautiful and you didn't respect it. Uh, so making the world better through a rental property. Mm, no, it's about the cash flow. But this idea of doing good and doing well, which is our company motto, we can do really well, make a lot of money. But doing something good, when you see that senior and their family 
and they're thanking you while they're handing you a check for $5,000. That's a really good feeling of doing well, but doing good. You're really helping a lot of people. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, and I relate. I love my job. I have the best job mm -hmm. in the world. Uh, I, I talk to people all day long that want to invest in real estate and have no idea how to get started. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what we do. What we do is provide a solution and, and it's really fun. And I get to meet super fun people like you who are doing such cool things in real estate that, um, you know, I never would have, I never would have known anything about the assisted living single family resident home yeah. business thing <laughs> if I hadn't had you on today. So I'm, I'm super yeah. grateful yeah. that, um, that we've had a chance to, to talk and I'm going to put the, the link, uh, for your site, for the book in the, in the show notes on our podcast and also in the, um, in the post online. And if you would share that URL one more time for anybody who wants to take, uh, who wants to yeah. get a copy of your book. Real easy. Three letters, three numbers, RAL101.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Gene. This has yeah. been an awesome hour. I have learned a ton. Mind blown. Uh, <laughs> and I can't wait to, to hear the feedback from our audience and see what everybody has to say. So if you guys are more interested in anything that Gene has shared today, you can grab his book and reach reach out to him. Um, and of course, if you're interested in getting on the, on the phone with me and learning a little bit more about turnkey real estate and how that works and how we might be able to help you, I am pretty easy to find wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist will take you to my calendar and we can chat about, uh, you know, if, if real estate investing is a good idea for you at this time and how to get started. Thank you again so much, Jean. Um, I've enjoyed every moment of this and I look forward to reaching out to you and, um, you know, maybe diving a little deeper into this for myself down the road. I'd love that. Thank you, Devin. Yeah. yeah, my pleasure. Everybody have a great rest of your day. We'll see y'all soon. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.